Well, welcome to our second class on uh, what is truth. And uh, we have um, a little bit of a light class today, I'm sure, but I'll take uh, what I'm trying to do is, ta- is, re- is record them so just in case somebody can't make it, they can catch up. And I'll, what I'll be doing is I'll, uh, I, ha- I believe I have all of your emails, so I'll uh, sending you an email. Um, after this with the, uh, I'll do, I don't know, Dropbox or Box.com or something there, PowerPoints in the outlined there, if you'd like that, um, or you miss or something. So, um, the, uh, so let, let's just open our time in prayer. Father, we come to you this morning just asking for your wisdom. Um, we think about um, worldviews and what is truth. Father, we're just reminded of how um, we have an a great adversary and have us cleverly devise. Um, well, as he is, we, we comforted in that he was his creator. Have uh, the corner on truth that you are truth and gives us, um, tell us where we've come from, why we're here, what's right and wrong. Father, what a great confidence we have sent um, your son Christ into this bar and that and flesh on uh, God, man, and God. And Father, I pray for the sp- that you're today in the time together today, that which matters most. <clears throat> well, if you would, um, take just a second um, and think through these, ver- these uh, questions here and jot down a couple of um, answers. Um, this will be our normal course of efforts each week. So as you come in, if you can come in three or four minutes early, just grab the um, outline and start filling in your questions, uh, or filling in the answers to your questions. Uh, you may have questions to the questions. That's um, but take just a second, if you would. Um, how are you coming? Almost done? Are you not done? Everybody's good? Okay, good. Great. Um, so, um, what I'd like to do real quick is uh, talk through um, our purpose. Uh, uh, so, this particular uh, session is on my purpose. Why am I here? Um, and we're... Um, I want to just quickly um, go over what we talked about last week, um, especially for you, Cornelius, from the standpoint of what we missed. You might have missed last week, just so you give a running head start if you could. So um, we had our key questions from last week, which were um, uh, why you were attracted to this class, um, uh, describe what truth is and where people find truth, and what are some of the key questions of life? And so we answered those. And I, what I'll do, usually do is write on the board and then take a picture of it so we can kind of refer back to it. But basically we said that uh, um, there's a difference between, you know, there's a standard called truth and then there's like whatever anybody else wants to believe. Like there's, there's it's a relative, when, when you look at that side of it, it's really relative from a standpoint of, how people think because of a couple of things that I'll, I'll talk about in a second. So it's fluctuating, it's changing, it's biased, it's many different op- and, and very much competing. Um, and then my, like somebody, many people, my interpretation of the Bible kind of thing. So we talk about and we define truth. Um, we define what a worldview is. It's kind of the rose-colored glasses that everyone um, looks through and everybody has those. And uh, somehow they've come to believe what they believe. Uh, and what is that? you know, something that they believe. How did they come to believe it? Um, and we said people pursue truth in three different places. First and foremost is uh, general revelation or discovered truth. And discovered truth or general revelation is, is when I look outside myself to the things that I can touch and feel and look at those and see what that 
what that is. The second is that of um, looking within myself, and so this would be relative truth. It would be um, another word we get mysticism from. It's, it's looking within myself, and we look at a verse there for 2 Corinthians 10 to what? And then the last one here is revealed truth, and revealed truth is also called special revelation, and so it's coming, it's, it's truth coming, looking to God for truth. And so just picture perspective, it's looking outside, it's looking within, and it's looking up. Those are the three different things. We, um, and we give a lot of different examples of different kinds of discovered truth. And the whole point of discovered truth is like without the word of God or without Christ or without the word of God, like we would have no way of knowing this information. Have, there's no context. There's no other way you would know this at all, if that makes sense. Um, and we look at a number of verses about it. Um, Pilate stood in front of Christ, the very embodiment of truth, and, and Pilate says back to him, what is truth? It's like he was standing right in front of you, right? Um, and then uh, we saw that uh, in John, um, which is a key contributor to our understanding of truth, um, we, we find out that the truth shall set us free, that Jesus says, I am the truth, and that the word of God says, the word of God is the truth. Uh, and then we said also in 1 Timothy, I desire all men and women come to a knowledge of the truth saves. Um, and so we looked at a couple passages, uh, we looked at a passage in Romans, um, talks about how, what, what happens when people don't um, uh, honor God or his truth and what are the implications of those key things in life. And, and when we look at this, we just kind of see this downward spiral of, of, of idolatry, impurity, um, immorality and depravity, and, it, and it's just this downward spiral. And, and, and Paul says in Romans, he says, like he, God, God is a gentleman, and he, he honors people's hearts. And so those decisions of their hearts actually, he lets them experience the, the full outcome of their decisions. That they that's kind of crazy, you know, but he he does that, and so that just continues to go from bad to worse um, about God and His truth. So. Um, some key things about um, uh, people who suppress God and his truth. Um, they, they, they suppress the truth. They're under the wrath of God. They believe a lie without excuse, become futile in their speculations. Their hearts become darkened. They become fools. Um, and, they're, and they're wrapped up in what, what would be called habitual sin. And last but not least, defiant sin. So um, we, we set up a, 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 a framework for us to work through this in our times together. And the framework has four components that we're going to look at. There's a whole lot more, which I'll show you on the next slide. But the four primary um, elements of, of, of a person's worldview are um, uh, where I came from, uh, why I'm here, um, what's right and wrong, and where I'm going. So um, it's really about my origins, my purpose, my compass, my destiny. Um, I will give you. I'll give you this one to uh, work through. Also, um, if you have a minute or two, just give this back to me at the end of the time. Um, and then, um, last but not least, we said that th there's really a tale of two worldviews. All those elements are down the left-hand side. We said the blue ones are the ones we're we're going to actually get into. But um, man's worldview is here. Obviously, it's very it's very relative, very different. And then the biblical worldview would be over here. And I just tried to summarize at the highest level some of these things. And, and part of our challenge as we go through this will be to um, double-click on this a little bit closer. 
So in summary, last week we said people look around, uh, around themselves, within themselves, and to God to determine what truth is. It's either objective and knowable, or it's relative and subjective. That Jesus Christ said he is the truth. God's given his word, which he said is truth. Um, but the key thing here is that there are existential and eternal implications and consequences for not honoring God and, and for suppressing his truth. So uh, eternal is very clear, but existential, how, how, might, how might there be existential implications? Give me an example of that, possibly. I could use experiential, existential, both. What would be an example of that, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, your relationships probably are going go to go to heck in a handbasket, right? So... Um, uh, when I think that um, my relationships revolve around me versus my relationships revolve around God, then like it's going, things are going to break up. They're, gonna, they're not going to be great because um, I think the world revolves around me. Make sense? Um, every everyone has a worldview and 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 has and has formed it in some, which has been formed in some way, and our worldview is is the, really the rose-colored glasses through which we see life in the universe. Make sense so far? Yep. Okay. So one of our homework items was to use this framework um, and to talk about the first, uh, to, to look into the first one, which was my origin. And uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one because we have four and I only have three weeks. <laughs> so um, I'd be willing to um, entertain any questions about it. Um, but you should have taken a whack at this um, and hopefully um, was able to to uh, um, work through it. Um, I said in a sentence or two, describe how your homework went. Obviously not for Cornelia, but um, how did your homework go um, over, uh, over this last week? Any input? Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Myself as an educator, I just stand on How do you handle when somebody says, well, you know, I mean... That's nice to do, but you know, you you're not answering my my key questions. You know, I have you know, because that's that bottom question, right? That's the one. Like, how do how do you help me overcome? I where I come from, I just keep saying. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good. Tell me how you know. Okay. Okay, that's a because we talked about this one, didn't we? We we talked about like, well, you know, give me give me a sense of how you came to your. To your conclusions, right? So, how, how did you, how did you wrap your head around this in a way that allows you to be able to be confident in, in your, in your, how, what you believe in this particular area? Any other thoughts? One of the key things that um, people get hung up on dinosaurs, you know, from the standpoint of like how they got, how they, you know, where are they, right? Um, then they get hung up on, um, on the age of the Earth. Okay. So, um, just two big answers to that. I, again, my, my purpose today was not to get into this in depth, but to answer some big questions and then move on to per, our purpose. Um, but when, when we talk about um, you know, dinosaurs and that whole thing, I mean, as one goes into uh, the uh, uh, flood and everything else, I mean, everything got turned upside down completely in the flood. And, and as a result of that, um, the but what appears to be at least is that there was a, a, con, a like a, a sudden sudden time when they didn't exist after that, and the, and then they did exist. So that's a, I, I would 
I would personally answer that question as it pertains to the flood. The second one has to do with the, uh, the perceived age of the earth. Um, scriptures say what they say, right? And then and scriptures appear to, unless you read into the first three verses, something that I, I don't think exists, um, but yeah. yeah, is that, you know, it, it appears as though the, the universe and everything is, is in the vicinity of a six, six and a half, seven thousand year situation. Um, but how can that be when it appears to be so much older? Well, what I use for this one is, is just is this a common sense from the standpoint of what the scriptures say in, in creation. When God created um, all the elements, you know, day, day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, did he create um, babies, have them grow up into the mature entities that they were, whether it's a human or or whether it was uh, animals, or whether it was plant life, or, I mean, I, what did he create? Yeah, he, and if you extrapolate that across everything else, what you would say is that God created the world as it would, uh, uh, you know, in a mature state. He didn't create it in, um, you know, with the seedlings, or the, the, you, know, the you know, the very uh, germination of, of each thing and allowed it to grow up. He literally created it in, in a mature state. Is the best way I could say it, and and that gives that that helps me go well. Well, that only makes sense. Yeah, right. That that then what then the universe would be in a mature state. The the the, the world would be in a mature state. All of these things would have been created in that spe, in that in that way. So that that for me is is a key component that just when you look at the. Pieces. It it just makes. Sense. Any other questions? Just in, before we move on from this, what what are the um, one thing I wanted to talk about was just very quickly. What are the implications of of believing in creation or not? Because I could say or not, right? Because it could just covers everything else, right? Well, I think okay. All of this stuff okay. It. It's really matters, okay. Like the so live it up, no, really, no right? To what yeah. No okay. So, okay. Does everybody see how that? How you get there pretty quickly, yeah. I mean, which tells me why there's such energy this world around disproving creation. It really, really does. It really does. Like, if there's a creator, then I'm accountable to that creator, right? Yeah, yeah. If I don't know why he has me here, makes sense. Okay, I like that. Good. And so, I like it. That's good. Okay, yep. So no, that makes lots of sense. Yep. Makes lots of sense. And so the yeah. Which which is fantastic because it really leads us into this next whole category. Right. <laughs> right. Why we need to know <laughs> yeah. what our yep. purpose and be able yep. to. So let's talk about that. My purpose. Why am I here? So, second question um, I had here was um, what did you struggle most with in your homework? Uh, at all, we are talking about maybe conclusions. Any anything that you struggled most with? Okay, fair, great question. I, I would suggest that 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 all of that matters. Like it's really helpful to undergird your soul with confidence. That going through this, I think, is going to um, give you great confidence. Um, I, I will just touch the tip of the iceberg. By the way, um, how, how, uh, so we talked about uh, how my knowing 
where you came from affect the decisions in your life. Um, let's talk about the fourth one here. What is a person's purpose? How might you know that? How might you know that that is in the? How might you know? I can't read that one. Uh, that that is their life's goal, and what implications arise when a person doesn't fulfill their purpose? Do you think? Based. What did you say also? Huh? Yes. Because it. Explain that one a little bit more. Forfeit it, right? Yeah, I mean, if God actually created you for something, like, amazing, and you never find that out or figure it out, one, I would suggest you're not fulfilled, right? Because, I mean, creator made me for something, and when I do that something, I'm fulfilled, and if I don't, then I'm not... Like, I'm, I'm not fulfilled. I would suggest I'm also not content. Okay? Yeah, it's like so like your thoughts are a 180-degree difference well, than what theirs are. The, the sure, sure, sure. I like, that's really good. What else? Literally, wow. Like in Never. Interesting. Well, I, I think this is really the, this is the essence, right? I mean, anything else you can think of? Yes. Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's absolutely right. Like, in other words, you know, why does God say, like, I have, I have, I have built eternity in your hearts? Like, like, there's something about forever that God is like, wired into our souls that causes us to be able to wonder about that. And, and I, think, I think there's more than just wonder we don't have time to go through this, but there's something very strong about this. Yeah. Other things? Okay. And then, um, what does a person do when the purpose they want in, in their life doesn't match up to the reality they're expecting? Yeah. Stupid things. Yeah, but you'll 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 you'll, 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 you'll pursue them with a passion, though, because you think that they're going to bring you that that. Success or fulfillment, right? Yeah. And so you see the you see this all over the place, um, and you also see that when they get to you know that they climb that ladder, you know they get to the top, and it's really I mean you hear this story, right? Like like their ladders leaning against the wrong wall, right? They get there, but like not fulfilled. They take their life. Um, uh, any other thoughts on that one? Yes. Vanity, vanity, yes. Yes, I think that word is is a perfect word, right? It's 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 mean. Say that ten times <laughs> Meaninglessness. Um, yep. 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 So th- this here drives you to, like you said, pleasure, power, addictions, right? Addictions don't have to be chemical or whatever, right? I mean, thing. Yeah. Missing one pleasure, power. One more I'm missing. Um, but, yeah, but, but, the, but the bottom line is all this ends up with pain. That's the key thing. Because it doesn't satisfy the soul. Okay? It doesn't satisfy the soul. Very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So my purpose today in our teaching is to understand why I'm here and what my life goal is. Why I'm here and what my life goal is. You'll find that on page two there. Um, Understand why I'm here and what my life goal is. Um, so, uh, um, 
I'm going to, you've spent some time on this, and, and what I want you to do is, is give me your input as we go through our time together. And then I'm going to come back to this at the end, okay? See, see like what we've kind of concluded, okay? Make sense? All right. So whenever I counsel myself, whenever I counsel other people, the Word of God, the most important thing I can do, most important thing I can do is define the problem clearly. Like what problem am I trying to solve? Does that make sense to everybody? And, and we just here talked about two critical things that matter. Two critical things that matter. We're going to be looking into the scriptures, okay? So get your Bibles out. Um, what I want you to do is, um, in setting this up, I want to give you a few quotes that I think are very powerful. And these are, these are all four of these are um, from a book called Intimacy with the Almighty. Um, very little booklet was what was other than my wife was the most profound book outside of the scriptures in my it was given to me my birthday in the year 2000 devoured it came out of that setting with a couple of things and I I was born and raised at in Africa my parents were missionized when I was about four or five years old four five years old and um, mom led me to the Lord. I grew up in a Christian environment, grew up in a Christian school, um, and studied the Word of God. And, but when I finished that book, I was forced to ask myself a fundamental question. The fundamental question was, Mark, on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you rate yourself personally, your own intimacy with God? Where would you rate yourself on a scale of 1 to 10? That rocked my world. Because... I thought I knew a lot of things, and did, but but where is my where's my communion in my and I rated myself about a f- three and a half to a four, and that set me on a course for to figure out what that looked like in my life. And that also brought me to a place of um, reevaluating my purpose about our time together today. Um, so. One of the first quotes he says is, the core problem in our lives is stated as an absence of intimacy with the Almighty. Involvements, yes, but not intimacy. Activities and programs are plenty, but not intimacy. What about you guys? It's so busy. Yeah, we're trying to, let me tell you, you're talking to a workaholic on this end. So I have three key idols in my life. Not a day that I don't, I don't do battle with intimacy matters. We must yes. learn. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say Look. Yeah. Actually, we're gonna our next uh, class after this one. As a, um, um, uh, he says here, we must learn anew to think deeply, to worship meaningfully, to meditate unhurriedly. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, of greater importance in all the universe than knowing God through Christ intensely and intimately. Says last but not least, worship is a response. It's an active, open, unguarded response to God, whereby we declare his worth in an intimate manner, leaving him room to touch us, to flood us. What? With his peaceful presence. Um, Thoughts before I move on? It's the most glorious place to be.
Once you've tasted it, you can't live your life without being. So with that problem defined, let me talk about purpose. And I'm going to give you, I um, can't remember whether I ended up with nine or ten things, but let's talk about these because these will form up our framework here. Um, first, I was created to seek God, to seek God. We're going to look up these passages, uh, Acts 17, 17. Uh, verses 26 and 27, Acts 17, 26 and 27. Uh, as we go through these, if you get there first, just start reading it. So what's, he, what's Paul saying here? So first of all, begins the conversation about purpose. Conversation about purpose with Christ. He says, he made from everyone, every nation of mankind to, to live on the face of the earth. So, so God created it. And he... Determined their appointed times. What does that mean? Determined when they were going to be born, he die. It's the, it, it, it is the length of their days with beginning point. And it did that before they were created. And he says, and he determined the boundaries of their habitation. What do you think that means? So you somehow think that, like, the fact that you're here, the fact that you live in this area, you know, was your decision. What, what, what's very clear here is, is God says, God is the one that has determined every single person's boundaries of their habitation, where they live. And he goes on, he says, um, that they should seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So he says, he created us for one purpose, which was in this length of days, in this place I've given you, geographically, and is that you would seek me. And what does he say about seeking him? Not far from each one of us. Wanting found. It's thing. It's like, I'm right there with, by you, close to you. But what does he want? He wants, a, he wants us to want to seek him. He wants us to. So he's very clear. He's like, in all the scriptures, we don't have time to go through it, right? But throughout the scriptures, he says, like, seek me while, you, while I am able to be found. Pursue me. When you pursue me, with your heart is towards me, I will disclose myself to you. Like, it's a, it's a guarantee. Like, you come my way, oh, oh I'm going to come your way. Yeah? Any thoughts or comments? Uh-huh. Oh. Well, I don't have time to get in right now to um, look deeper. That's the seeds of germination. Seek God. God. <laughs> but... Um, but the fact that when we turn our hearts to agree with those, um, he will reach so. So, I was created to seek God. Um, I was created to know God. Turn to Jeremiah. I was created to know God. Jeremiah chapter 9, 23 and 20. Jeremiah. So, what's, what's interesting is that God delights, not just like is happy about it. There's something special about delights, isn't it? It's like way over likes. <laughs> like, God is passionate about, joyful, delighting, move through the journey, getting to know him. Getting to know him, what, what do you think that looks like? Like, this word know, oh, not, uh, word know is the same, it's, it's that it's, it's that it to un- cognitively take in character and his actions, but it goes way beyond that to point of praise and honor and glory of and speaking the, of the, raising the water level of their love and appreciation. It's 
highly of your wife, like you're going to talk about her in a, in a lifting way. Do that because it's experiential. Um, so he says the he says he delights in like don't don't go out and be talking about um, your wisdom or your power or your money like that stuff like just doesn't matter anymore. Like in God's economy, it's all about you, God. Wow, like that just sets the table for like this life, like. When we get to heaven, granted we're going to be in the presence of God, and we'll know him deeper, but that deepness won't be any more than I know him today. Through time and through, 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 through eternity, because of my presence with him, I'll get the privilege of understanding, falling more and more in love with him, but that won't have a, a, a greater trajectory than where I start when I finish this life as to what I know about. How I know him or not. So start the journey now. Put a stake in the ground. That's literally what I did in my life. It's like I'm going to stake this day, um, October 4th, 2000, my journey towards knowing God. <clears throat> so to know God. I was created to worship God. Deuteronomy 6.13. I was created to worship God. Created to worship God. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.13. No, no. Serve, users serve. New American says worship. It's interesting. So um, uh, you could you could add these other one two on here too. Is is fear, which we don't have time to go into, but it's it's holding high estimation, not to stand back and go whoa, um, and swear by. So he says, you shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship Him. Translate that serve. It sounds like um, so worship Him. Fourth is I was created to enjoy God. Let's go to the other end of the Bible. Revelation, the Revelation. I was created to enjoy God. Uh, Revelation chapter 19. Um, somebody want to read both 6 and 7? Uh, let's do 5, 6, and 7 for the context. Wow. This is the pop the clutch into eternity. <laughs> um, and he says here, hallelujah. Um, hallelujah is... Um, Halal, praise, halal, and Yah is the word for Jehovah, highest God. So he says, give the highest praise, highest God, most high God. How cool is that? And he goes, the highest praise to the most high God for the Lord our God, the Almighty, has taken, says reigns, but the point here is that he has begun to reign. And then he says, he follows that with the ver verse 7. He says, let us rejoice and be glad. Like, let me, let me kind of take it to the next level. When I allow God to reign supreme in my life, allow the Lord God to reign supreme over all of my heart and over all of my thoughts and over all of my actions and all my motivations. I mean, that's stunning. That's true says here, like, there will no, be no more of that other stuff anymore. You're going to make all things new. This is the moment in both time and eternity that he pops the clutch and he says, God now reigns. So all things, at all times, in all ways, as a result of that, rejoice greatly and be glad. Cool. Then he goes on, he says, I was created to give God glory. I was created to give glory to God. He goes on to say what? 
It says, and give glory to him. Why? It says, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. And it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, clean and fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So what's going on here? He says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said these words are true. What's going on? What, what's the context? Why is he saying to give glory to God for eternity? I, I think this is the summarization of glory. It is. He should. It's not like... It's not like I can make up glory and add it to his glory. I can only speak highly of his glory that already exists. And what I do does not add one ounce of glory to him. It only shines a bright light on what is already a bright light. That is the essence of glory. Only God has glory. What is glory? What is glory? Thoughts? Something about glory that I get brightness, right? <laughs> what? Celebration. Celebration, okay. Glory is outshining God's aggregated manifests itself in glory is the character God that manifests itself light when you and I take on character of Christ I don't know about you but I can come into a witness and a testament have they have an outshining hell because they're taking on God's care so um, really important yeah I was created to give glory to God of him. Next, my life is not my own anymore. My life is not my own anymore. 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 5 14 and 15. 5, 14 and 15. Anybody? Okay. Talk to me about what it's saying. By the way, this, any like, description of our motivation, life, why we should do it. What is he saying? So the purpose of Jesus Christ's death on the cross was to do something. Yes, to save us, but do something else. It was to create in us a motivation, something completely different, the other motivation on our Motivation of our hearts due to the death and resurrection of Christ, he says, is that we should not live for ourselves anymore. What that tells me is, like, I, I don't own myself anymore. Like, I have been bought with some by somebody that I no longer my own, no longer... Like, the world doesn't revolve around me anymore. Like, it's, like, that's so old world. That's so paralyzing. Um, when I make my life revolve around him, he says, he says, we want to do it now. Not we have to. We want to do it now. Why? Because of the love of Christ. Like, the experiential love and forgiveness of Christ, he says, does something here. Look at it. It says... It controls us. What does control mean? Sometimes, most, most of the time, like we think control means like to, you know, p put us in chains. Or this is so different. Th this is saying the love of Christ compels or urges us on. It compels us. It urges us on. Um, it gives us overwhelming motivation to do what. The overwhelming motivation or urging or com compelling, he says, is, is that it, it, it glues us, glues our souls to the stuff of eternity. It glues our souls to the stuff of eternity and it commands my allegiance, that which matters most. Like it glues my heart and my soul to something outside this world and that is eternal in nature, and it commands my allegiances, it commands my affections, it commands my addictions, it commands my aspirations. Like, 
all of this stuff, it just like charge. My life is not my own anymore. Next, the most important goal in my life is to please God and give Him glory. The most important goal in my life is to please God and give Him glory. Um, 1 Corinthians 10.31. It's 10.31. What, what is, when you think of e eating and drinking, what do you think of as in the level of importance normally? <laughs> the other one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether you're, whether you're walking, whether you're breathing, whether you're eating, whether you're drinking, and in the most basic stuff of life, like you should, so if you do it in the basic stuff, like he's like saying, then everything else like really, really matters, right? Yeah, it really, really matters. So like to do all things for the glory of God means that like we please him, please him with, which comes back to the, the you know, the um, sermon that, Michael preached last week, right? Which is, how do we do the right, how do we do good thing? God. Well, we do the right thing the right way for the right motive at the right time. Right thing, the right way, with the right motive at the right time. God's pleased. So, really critical. Um, the next verse here, let's look at, is um, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 9. 2 Corinthians 5 9. 2 Corinthians 5 9. Okay. What is what is that? What does he mean by at home or say to be yeah? Where I say at home or away? What does that mean? Okay, wherever we are, here on earth or absent. When he says absent, he means gone on from this world. Either way, practical outcomes of this verse is that highest calling of our soul should be to please. That's what matters most. How do we please God? That that's a key question. Like, how do I please God? A whole month. Of, okay, and then um, uh, let's take a look at uh, the next one. It says, I please God and realize his primary will for my life as I am in the process of becoming more like Christ. I please God and realize his primary will for my life as I am in the process of becoming more like Christ. I, I gave you, uh, this is Romans 8, I, I gave you, um, when we started, um, some language around this process of becoming more like Christ. I called it um, progressive sanctification. Progressive sanctification. That's what we'll continue. Romans 8, 28 and 29. Um, that, there's very few, say there's probably more than that, um, some key letters or books in the Bible. Romans is one of them. I, I've, I've had the, the privilege of teaching it like four times, and each time it out between five or seven years. Um, it's, it's, you can tell what level I usually go, go into because I think the word of that uh, appropriate. But um, these two verses are, are stunning for me because he says basically there's no leakage. Call somebody um, like him out of that equation. It also says something very powerful here. It says he calls them to become... Like his son Christ, that's it. That's what he's marked them out beforehand, or predestined that, that he might become the firstborn among. So, the the purpose is that God's going to like work all things, all the pieces, all the every interaction of my life, every situation, of life, every relationship in my life, sin in my life. He's going to like make all of it good and His glory. I, I, I don't even know how to put my arm. But but the cool thing here is that. As I'm in the process of realizing God's primary will for my life, the way in which I please him is by becoming more like his. Like when I do that, that's thoughts or comments? Okay. 
Um, the next one is that God knows I will not be perfect, but he does expect me to be growing. God knows I will not be perfect, but he does expect me to be growing. Um, depending on how you were raised, this is a key expectation that you don't measure up to perfect. Already declared perfect, will yet to be made. So let that lie escape from your thoughts. God is now that he has declared us passionate about us wanting him, passionate about us desiring love him deeper. So he knows I'm not going to be perfect. Like, who are we to think somehow we're going to be perfect? Like, how stupid are we? We're still wrapped in this robe of human that all of the adversary. In that future state, we won't even be at all. <laughs> we don't have to sin, but we have a still a great propensity. So he says I won't be perfect. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Or he's very clear about this old life and new life. And uh, this new life, he says, has has baited in holiness, righteousness, uh, it's the whole and holiness of the truth. And so this whole concept of truth, which is what we're talking about here, backbone or the, the, the undergirding, the foundation of how we need to come to learn to think biblically. Learn to think biblically, we can have that guide the right decisions of our heart in order to please God. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, last but not least, I am now accountable to God for how I live my life. I am now accountable to God for how I live my life. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5.10. Uh, I am now accountable to God for how I live my life. We, we talked about this before on the one before, right? He says that I'm not accountable to anybody. That's the whole quest of the human soul is how do, I, how do I keep from being accountable? That's the fundamental question, right? Because I mean, if you answer me that I'm accountable, then who am I accountable to anybody other than the creator? And now you, now you have this dilemma, right? So this is like really, really important. Like now I've chosen to be accountable to God basically as my creator. Um, as to how I live my life. Second Corinthians 5.10, somebody got that? Okay. So we know there's, based on other studies, right, we know that there's two major judgments. One is for non-believers, and one is for believers. One for non-believers is called the Great White Throne Judgment. That's in, um, and then the other one is this one here, which is judgment for believers. Judgment for believers is not whether or not you're saved, the judgment for believers is whether how you've been faithful, how you've been a steward. How have you been as to, that's what that's about. And this is not about much as it is about weeks on what rewards looks like. But what it means is that my heart is filled up for sure because content, utterly joyful because. So he says we all must are going to appear before Christ and we, we will be recompensed for what we did in this, in this life. Make sense, everybody? So it's not about l losing salvation or anything else. It's about, I don't know about you, but like when, when I'm super confident about the fact that my God um, sees everything, whether one can see it or not, he remembers everything, he will reward everything. Like, that's Awesome. Like, I don't have to be doing... I can be very confident that God is the great reward. I can live my life in a way that it's him be God. My reward will come in the future. 
so chooses to um, say, well done. Okay, any other thoughts there? Um, so before we go to the next one, just any, before we go to um, talk about our homework next week, just any observations or conclusions coming out of today? Um, I have, um, and I've given it to John, I'd be glad to send it to each one of you. I've put together a whole, I don't know, work sh- not worksheet, work uh, exercise to help you personally come to grips with purpose statement in life. When you write it down, it's really valuable. I like to remember things that are important. I want those important to help me. Re- I, I need that. In my life, I have this here. Okay? And uh, that top one there is my wedding vow to Sally. It was written out that way on a 3 by 5 card. Okay? You flip it over, that's on the back. Okay? But that's my... My wedding vow to my wife. How many years ago? Um, I got got to add it up more than two hands. Okay, quite a few. Um, But that, me to write that out took a lot of thought and my commitment to her. Um, Why is this out of here? Bible rebound. (laughs) And they took it out. Um, But but my second thing that's most important to me is, is, so at the bottom of this is my purpose. Um, For me, I've gone through a few iterations, you can see. Um, I started off with to become like Christ, um, to give glory to God. Um, I exist to know God and follow Christ. Where I'm at right now in my journey, personally, is that I exist for the pleasure of the King of Kings. I exist for the pleasure of the King of Kings. Really, is everything we just talked about. By the way, what I'm sharing with you is the end result of my journey through these exact verses and working through it. Okay? My vision statement is started off with why I, I want to know and love God, love people, and it's moved to I want to become more like Christ. My mission statement is every day of my life I will cultivate intimately knowing Jesus Christ as my passion, nurture faithfulness as a steward of the things he's given me as my pursuit, and selflessly loving others as my quest. I'm here to say that I don't live up to that every day. But it is my, is my, my, um, I said down here at the bottom, remember, keep the main thing the main thing. Last but not least, out of my study in Revelation, Mark, remember your first love. Make sense? So my compass, what is right and wrong? This is your homework for uh, this next week. Um, man's worldviews around what is right and wrong is that reason, reason rules. Uh, discovered truth is what matters. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, yet, uh, discovered truth is what matters. Political correctness is important, and experience wins every day, all the time. It doesn't matter what whether it's true or not. It's just that this is my experience versus your experience, right? Makes sense. And then uh, for the biblical worldview, it's that revelation by God's word is what matters. And uh, so. How do you support this? What are the implications of and the alternatives above my conclusions, why I believe what I believe? And then what would be the barriers that you would see that you'd want to or need to overcome in order to move a person to a biblical worldview? Like we talked to some of these here also. Here. Um, I think that's it. Okay. Any questions or thoughts? Um, I'll, I'll email them to you. Okay. Yep. I'll email them to you. Yep. Any conclusions out of today?
encouraging or is it defeating or stimulating or? <laughs> First of all, it has to be something that's got to be really hard to work. That time is, that's out of my mind. Absolutely. And guys are, it's harder for guys than gals actually, I, you know, because we're compartmentalizing people. To kind of little boxes around everything we do. Yeah. I, won't, I won't say it's absolutely. It just runs counter, counter. to what I'm trying to develop. Yeah, so true.